Good morning, church. How are you guys? All right. How many of you are so excited? 2020 needed the Christmas season, didn't it? It just we just needed Christmas to come on, right? And the Advent season, the the word Advent, it, it carries with us this sense of expectation, of awaiting, and of it, in a sense. It feels like all of 2020 has been this awaiting, right? This expectation of a release of hope. And that is what we get to celebrate this month. And as we started talking about this as a staff a few months ago, um, God just stirred up some things in my heart that like, and in times Jesus himself incarnated to the earth in the middle of a chaotic culture, in the middle of a Roman empire that was basically on a tear to take over the world. In the middle of a time when there was a king, King Herod, who was a power-hungry dictator, who was jealous and who was insecure in his power, so insecure that when he heard that there was some king of the Jews coming, he had all the young boys, two and under, just killed, all of them in that land. The gospel, the story of Jesus is no stranger to times of chaos. God is no stranger to bad years. How many of you would say, you don't have to raise your hand, maybe this, this year was one of your top worst years so far in your life, or maybe it was the top, in the, makes it in the top five, all right? I think a lot of us would probably say that. God is no stranger to a bad year. The hope of Jesus is not dispelled, is not diluted, is not put out because cultural situations are negative, are dire. In fact, it should give us hope that the very birth of this story that we talk about and we celebrate at Christmas came to us in the middle of cultural turmoil. That for us should be an encouragement that the life of Jesus, everything he did and spoke, all the things that he said, all the things, all the miracles that he did, they were done in the context of chaos. So don't be afraid. What what I want to just encourage you today is from the scripture, Psalm 42, verse 5 and 6, it says this, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Hope in God. This first Sunday of Advent, we celebrate, we, we enunciate, we emphasize the hope that we have in God. And it's important though, and this is kind of where we're going to go with it today, Because when you think about Pastor Aaron's like, hey, talk on hope. It's like, oh boy, wow, there's nothing in the Bible about hope, you know, right? I don't know where where I'm going to start, right? There's so many things to talk about. I didn't, but here's where where we're going to go today is that it's important that when we talk about hope, we do not mistake the hope of scripture with the hope that is portrayed in our current culture. The way we use hope in our contemporary language is, is similar, but in, in a particular respect, very, very different from the way that the Bible uses the word hope. And it's actually what I would say the opposite. 
Cultural hope is like this, the, the way we use hope. I hope I get that Lego set. Any of you kids in this place, you're like, I hope I get that Lego set for Christmas. Any of you dads in this place, I hope I get that Lego set. Okay. Uh, or maybe that gaming system, or I hope I get that doll that I want for Christmas. Or I hope I get a good grade on my test. I hope we get to go to my mom's house for Christmas, right? Or with, with good luck, our only hope of getting there on time is to have no red lights, right? Or no tra- so hope is used in, in this way in our current language. Or I hope we don't have to endure another shutdown. Or maybe many of you have said this, I've said this, I hope we don't have to wear masks for the rest of our lives, right? <laughs> I hope things will get back to normal. Those are genuine things to hopeful, hope for. But here is the distinction, and I'll tell it to you by telling you first the story of our cats, all right? Uh, If you love cats, I'm sorry. This is not going to be a cat lover story, (laughs) but but it's not going to be a bad story, kids, okay? We we love our cats. But here's the deal. We have two cats, and we would consider them more barn cats than like real, like lovey-dovey, cuddle on your lap, be mean to you cats. Um, We we don't really do much for these cats, okay? They do a lot for us. They kill mice and, and chipmunks, keep them from getting under our house and all that, moles, all those things. But we don't actually, like, ever really give them, like, the flea and tick medicine. We don't give them love and cuddle them and all that. We don't, we barely give them water. Uh, they just go down the creek for that, right, or drink out of the gutter or whatever, <laughs> But one thing we give them is food, all right? Once a day, we give them a little cup of food. The rest of the time, they got to scrounge for themselves. So each morning, my dog, who we do love, <laughs> comes to me in my bedside. And he's like, I want to go outside. And I take him outside. And who meets me at the glass door but the cat? And it's a battle between me, the dog, and the cat for who's going to win because the cat's trying to come in, the dog's trying to get out, and I'm like sticking my foot in the door trying to keep the cat. Am I alone in this or is this like, okay, so the cat comes with a very specific expectation because he's been trained over time that once he sees the dog come to the door, that means it's time for my food. And until you give the cats food, they're going to keep coming in and coming in and they'll sit right by the closet door where we keep the food. And it's so obnoxious. But what it does is it gives us a picture of biblical hope. <laughs> okay, you're like, wow, this is Pastor Aaron. What in the world did you... Yeah, but here's the deal. Number, point number one today about biblical hope is this. Hope in God is a confident expectation, not a wish. Hope in God is a confident expectation, Let me share this with you out of Psalm 27. This is a beautiful scripture. I am certain that I will see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart be courageous. Wait for the Lord. I want to read you this quote from John Piper. It says, Biblical hope is not a mere desire for something good to happen. It is a confident expectation. And desire for something good in the future. Biblical hope has moral certainty in it. When the word says hope in God, it does not mean cross your fingers. It means to use the words of William Carey. Expect great things from God. Do you hear the difference between I wish 
for this. Or I hope that this happens and my hope is in the Lord. I am certain that I will see the goodness of God in the land of living. Do you hear the difference? That biblical hope, the hope that we are given in Scripture and and given by the Holy Spirit has a certainty to it that the hope that we use in culture doesn't have. See, the hope in culture has an uncertainty to it. It means, I'm not sure if this is going to happen. But the hope in Scripture, when we say we hope in God, it means I am certain that what I know of God and what I've seen of God and what I read in the Scripture of God will be played out according to the way that he has done it in the past, according to the way that he has established it in his word. I am certain that my hope is in God. Psalm 42, what we just read at the beginning. Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Do you hear uncertainty there or do you hear certainty? So in the the legal system, there is this term, it's called precedent. And precedent refers to a court decision that is considered as an authority for deciding subsequent cases that are involving identical or similar facts, similar legal issues. The greater amount of precedent there is to a particular law or statute, uh, the more powerful, the more strong, the greater strength of that law. So when a lawyer or a judge is trying to decide a case, is trying to argue a case, what do they do? They go back to legal precedent for what has been decided, what other cases have, have talked about these things. And if there is gr- a great amount of precedent, then there is a great confidence in the decision that is being made. And number two for you today is hope in God is anchored in precedent. Hope in God. The surety, the clarity that we have in this hope is anchored in precedent is anchored in this. Where do we find precedent? In creation. In true accounts from Scripture, we find precedent in our own lives, in the stories of our family members and others who have faithfully served God. Precedent is the fuel of hope. Jen has been reading this book to our kids. It's called Trials and Triumphs. And it is a gathering of stories from Christians throughout the centuries, from, from po- those who were contemporaries with Christ up and now to our contemporary times. And there are stories of people who have been persecuted or martyred for their belief in Jesus. And yet these stories and these people, as they have, have endured persecution, as they have endured the worst that the world can give them, even death, they have become like wildfire for the hope of Jesus, for the story of the gospel. But this book is such a beautiful book because it is a book of precedent. It is a book of stories that remind us of the goodness and the faithfulness of God, that remind us of the security that we have in the hope of Jesus. So I want to give you a few scriptures to read this week. I want you to just write it down, maybe this month as you go through it. But I want you to read Psalm 8. Just write it down. Go back sometime. 
this week. And I want you to read Psalm 8. Listen to this. Just an excerpt from verse 3 and 4. When I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and stars you set in place, what are mere mortals that you should think about them, human beings that you should care for them? You want to see the precedent of God's goodness and his faithfulness? Look around at creation. God is not a God who is all ethereal and all mystic and somewhere out in the, in the way off blue. God is a very physical God. He is acting in our physical world. Every day he is acting when the sun comes up and falls to the other side and paints a beautiful... God is painting sunsets 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 365 days a year for eternity. It ain't just your sunset. You know where the earth is rotating. So the sun, that sunset is moving around. Somebody's seeing a sunset, a beautiful painted sunset, 24 hours a day. Our God is actively painting and creating that sunset. God is active in creation. You can see him. Psalm 8. Uh, Go and read this. Isaiah 40. I was reading this this week. And I was just seriously just felt this sense of being just filled up with God. Like, man, I needed that. Isaiah 40, listen to this. Verse 28, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. His understanding is beyond searching out. Do you hear the difference of the hope that we have in God? Have you not heard? Do you not know the Lord is the everlasting God? Someone comes to you and says, what is this hope in God? I mean, where is God in all this? Have you not heard? Do you not know that the Lord is the everlasting God? He will not grow weary. His understanding is beyond. He's not confused by this. He's not taken aback and surprised. Our God's understanding is without end. Have you not heard? That God will not falter? That his faithfulness goes from beginning to end, from eternity to eternity? Your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness stretches to the skies. Have you not heard? Be filled with hope today. Be filled with hope. Fill your neighbors with hope. Another scripture, Matthew 6 Jesus himself is talking. This is, I would probably put this in like my top two favorite chapters in the whole Bible. I just keep going back to it and back to it. He covers so much here, but in the end of chapter six, he's talking about the birds and he says, consider the birds. They, they, they don't work hard for their food, but, but God feeds them every day. And consider the lilies, the flowers in the field. They're clothed more beautifully than Solomon ever wanted to look, ever imagined to look. And yet God does this for them, a free gift. And you, are you not more valuable to God than these? How's he follow that up? He says, so do not worry. Don't be anxious about what you'll eat or drink, about what you'll wear. Oh, Lord, how many of us have been anxious in this season about what we're going to eat, what we're going to drink, what we're going to wear, where it's going to come from. Jesus Christ himself says to you today, do not worry. Don't worry like the pagans do, like the people who don't follow God, like the people who don't have a hope, 
who don't know this faithful God who is eternal and everlasting. Don't be like those people. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. And all these things, they'll be added to you. Matthew 6, go and read it. It's a fuel for hope. Showing you God's precedent for his faithfulness today. Hebrews 11. Write this one down. Go read Hebrews 11. I love this chapter because you can just feel the personality of the writer of Hebrews. And he says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for. And so he starts off on this list and he says, I'm not going to read it all to you. But he says, by faith, Abel. He tells a story. By faith, Enoch. By faith, Noah. By faith, Abraham. Isaac, Jacob, Moses. Moses' parents. Moses, the people of Israel. The prostitute, Rahab. And then he says this. I don't have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. Are you hearing me? Like this, this, the writer of Hebrews is saying, this is the precedent that we have, that we base our hope upon. It is not a dim wish. It is not just some fluffy idea. It is a bedrock principle that our hope is in God. And this is what it's based upon. And I'm going to just, just take a little aside here and I'm going to say, us as parents and as shepherds of this king uh, of, of this community, not just parents, grandparents, uncles, aunts, neighbors, friends, let's fuel the hope of our children. Let's fuel the hope of a generation that is to come. Let's create a cloud of witnesses for our kids and our grandkids and our nieces and nephews and our neighbors. So that when someone comes to them at some point in their life and says, who is this God that you talk with? There's, God is not even real. And they say, oh, wait. Have you heard of the faith of Abraham? Hold on, hold on. By faith, Isaiah did this. By faith, Isaac, oh, oh, wait. Hold on, let me tell you a story about my, actually, we don't have time. For, do you have time for this? Because I could tell you a story about my grandma. I could tell you a story that my mom told me. I could tell you a story about when we were struggling. I could tell you a story that like just last week, we were praying for healing for my friend and he was healed. I could tell you a story about this time in our family when we were struggling financially and God came through. I could tell you, do you have time? I don't even have time to tell you all the things that God has done, all the faithful stories of my God who's come through for me. Do you want that for your kids? Do you want that for you? I want that for me. And I want that for my children. Let's create Let's compile these stories. Let's create a cloud of witnesses for our kids. Let's recount before them such a tale of God's faithfulness that it becomes the undeniable narrative of their lives. It becomes the irresistible epic of which their lives are the next chapter. It's not a story bound by covers or contained only in paper and ink. It is a living story that we, their forebears, must invite them into. Tell them the irresistible tale of God's faithfulness. And in a society where old people are pushed to the side, where they're irrelevant, I'm telling you, this, the church has to be different. I want you to sit down with your grandmother, grandfather. I want you to sit down with the, the older people of faith in your life and say, tell me a story of God's faithfulness. And when you're feeling low on your hope, I want you to call up a neighbor who you know is faithful to the Lord, who you know is walk with the Lord, say, tell me a story of God's faithfulness. That is how you fuel the hope 
And each one of us has a well of hope. And sometimes God's just walking through life. It gets drained down, doesn't it? You and I have to fight to fill the well of hope in our lives. And this is a way that we do it. Read those scriptures. Listen to stories. Call up old friends and say, tell me a story of God's faithfulness. You got to be diligent about filling that well of hope. Because the enemy would like nothing more than for it to be bone dry. And then to come in with a little deception and come in and say, oh, but God didn't really say that. Or this isn't really true about God. I want to be like the writer of Hebrews and say, no, no, no. I don't have time to tell you about all these things, right? That's what hope looks like. Hope is not a wish. It's a confident expectation of what God will do. How are you feeling your hope in desperate times? Number three. Now some of you have those, have t-shirts with hope on them, you know? And they're really cute. You got the glitter. They got, look, look, if I, they got the sequence. If I do it this way, it turns one color. If I do it this way, it turns another. <laughs> Isn't that so cute? You know, hope is like in a little scripty font on the side of a building. Or you even have hope stuck in your yard as a neat little lighted sign for Christmas, right? No, hope is, it doesn't look at all like that. Hope is dangerous. Hope is a weapon. It's not a glittered sign or t-shirt. Hope is found in the dark dungeons, in cratered battlefields, in prison camps and in hospitals, in funeral homes, and even in the dark, lonely corners of your heart and your home. Hope is found there. And where there is hope, there is victory. I love Ephesians 1.18. It says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. The confident hope we have is dangerous to the enemy. And that should give us a lot, that should just bring a smile to our face. There's a story of, um, I mean, you've heard so many stories of POWs and people who were prisoners at times of, of war. And there's a guy named Louis Zamperini who was a, a captive in World War II. And there was a movie made about him called Unbroken, a book written about him. And it's a beautiful story. But one of the things he says is that, and, and you've heard it before, that the thing that kept him alive is that he never let his light of hope die. That flame, that little flicker of hope never died. And that's what helped him to endure. This confident hope, that's why it's dangerous to the enemy. Can you imagine how the enemy trembles when he tries to snuff out the flame and he can't? Can you imagine how frustrating it is to the enemy? It's like those birthday candles, you know, that you blow on, they just keep coming back. You know what I'm talking about? That's what Satan does when, when someone who is firm and confident in their hope in Jesus, he's trying to snuff you out and it just keeps coming back. He tries to pour water on you and it just keeps coming back. And here's the thing, he knows this is that even if somehow he was able to kill your body, it would only be like gasoline poured on the embers of a campfire in the middle of a dry forest, ready to be kindled and lit up. He knows 
that if he attacks you, you're only going to spread it farther. That's why you got the enemy shaking in his boots. That's why we walk with confidence before the Lord. That's why we stand with confidence. Because if God is for us, who can be against us? What can man do to me that if I die, that to be absent from the body is to be present with Christ? All of this is wonderful for me. Satan, you have no place here. You have no victory here. My hope is in the Lord, and that hope is not a a dim wish. It is a firm and bold truth. Hope in God. When you hear that, don't hear it as a wish. Hear it as a certainty. Hear it as a proclamation of the truth of God for you and for me and for a desperate world. Hope in God. Number four, Hope in God frees you for the mission of God. Your hope in God, the freedom that it gives you is for a purpose. God wants you to have hope in him because he has a mission for you. As we go back to Matthew 6 and 6.33, seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Why does Jesus tell you not to worry? Not to worry about what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat or drink. Why? Because all of that takes energy away from the mission of God. And when you're worrying about all these things, you're distracted from doing what you're here to do. So hope gives us that freedom to do the mission of God. Hope in God frees you for the mission of God. This is why it's important that we have to be diligent about filling ourselves, filling the well of hope. Number five is this. Hope has an expiration date. Hope has an expiration date. Romans 8, 18 through 25. There's a lot here. I'm just going to kind of read through it and kind of highlight a couple things. I encourage you to go back. A lady told me as she left church today, she said, um, she said her father had her at a very young age. She was... Um, she said he, he had her memorize Romans 8. Oh, man, I'm telling you, as I was reading it this week, I'm like, oh, I, I want to I maybe have my kids memorize Romans 8 because there's so much beautiful, powerful truth here. But 18 through 25, for I consider, and just think about this in the context of, of 2020, all right? I just want you to hear the word of the Lord today in the context of the year that you've had Uh, that we've all uh, endured together. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Full stop. (laughs) Right? Thank you, Lord. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. There's a lot there. Maybe, Pastor, you can unpack that someday. (laughs) For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly, as we wait eagerly for the adoptions as sons, 
the redemption of our bodies. Now here it is. For in this hope, we were saved. This hope for a final adoption, this, this culmination of our adoption with the Lord, this, this uh, redemption of our bodies. It's, it's just, he's hoping for this place as if many of you have been through adoption process. You, you have the child in your care and they're in your home and you're, you're growing together and you're learning together. But oftentimes it takes a long time, months, maybe even years before you stand before the judge and, and your, your child is yours. They take upon your name. There's the culmination of the adoption process. And, and a lot of times it's commemorated by a picture and you'll see the judge and the family and their smiles and they're excited. And they're like, you are now fully one of our family members. You are now here adopted. You have our name on your name. You've, you've taken upon yourself our name. You are our child, 100%. No one can change that now. It is set in stone. The law has said that you are ours. Yes. And if you've had that experience, you have had a taste of what Paul is referring to here in Romans about saying that we eagerly await, our, our souls yearn, we groan inwardly. We, oh man, I can't wait for that day when we are adopted as sons, when that law is finally brought to bear upon us and we are called, finally, that is brought to fruition, the adoption that God has for us, the redemption of our bodies. For in this we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait thing for which we hope will be seen. And when we see that for which we have hoped, we don't need hope anymore. Do you hear what I'm saying? That once we see Jesus face to face, once we come and our bodies have been redeemed and we are fully, completely, the gavel has hit and we are standing before Jesus face to face, walking with him daily, standing completely just whole and healed before him, we don't need hope because then we can declare face to face. Then we can know fully Jesus and the presence of God and the community of the cloud of witnesses that was afar off and now we are near together singing glorious praise to God forever and ever, worshiping and enjoying and basking in the presence of God together. We have hope that one day we won't need hope. One day our hope will be realized. Our faith will be made sight. Amen. Amen. Our confident hope has an expiration date and thank God for it. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. One final note here on the thoughts of what is the difference between faith and hope? What is the relationship between faith and hope? Sometimes those are interchanged, those are mixed, used interchangeably. But here's what hope is. Hope is the future tense of faith. Hope is the future manifestation of faith. Hope is what we're talking about when we're having faith for something in the future. We have faith that Abraham was 
faithful to God that the things that the word said were true, like past tense. We have faith of what God is doing in the moment, in the present. But when we enact our faith for the future, that is called hope. And my friends, your hope today is a sure foundation. Your hope today is not standing on some shaky platform way up in the sky. Your hope is not a faint wish. Your hope is certainty, sure and eternal truth. Your hope is not an uncertainty. Your hope in Jesus is the greatest certainty the world has known. And it is what the world longs for more than anything. So, people of hope, be those who bring the light of hope to those who are walking in darkness. Because if there's anything we know that came from this, that has come from this pandemic that is continuing, is that the loneliness, the disease is one thing, but it is the loneliness and the brokenness of the human spirit that is the true danger to all of us. Actually, in Proverbs chapter 18, it says, a man can endure sickness, but who can endure a crushed spirit? And the real effect of all of this is the crushed spirit. But we stand confidently today because you know what the antidote, you know what the vaccine for a crushed spirit is? The eternal hope of glory in Jesus Christ. And we can stand confidently. We can administer the vaccine of hope. Can you do that this week? When you see your neighbor, your friends, your children, administer the hope of Jesus. Fill the well. Be those who fill the well. I mentioned Louis Zamperini before. He talked about people ask him, how are you such a, are you a glass half full or glass half empty person? He said, I'm neither. I'm a fill the glass kind of guy. I don't care if it's half full or half, whatever you consider it. I just want to be about filling the glass. Fill the glass. Fill the well, friends. Let hope relieve you from worry and fear so that you can get about the mission of bringing hope to the world. Amen? Amen. Lord, let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you. You are the hope of the world and we celebrate you today. We lift you up. We lift up your faithfulness your faithfulness throughout the generations. We lift it up, Lord, before our own hearts, Lord, before the hearts of everyone around us, before the hearts of this community and this world, Lord. We lift it up that you are faithful from eternity to eternity. Have you not known, have you not heard that our God is the everlasting God? Hope in God, for we shall yet praise him. Hope in God. Do not be cast down. Do not be in turmoil in your soul within you. Hope in God, for you shall again praise him. He is your salvation and your God. Amen.